0: hello everyone welcome to a very special episode of greedy keeps today we have michael levine the top the multi multiple time top four heliod player what's up michael how's it going good how are you doing i'm good i'm excited to talk heliod talk uh talk magic you know it's uh... i'm
1: always excited to talk about heliod <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there uh, are there any commanders you're excited to talk about besides heliod well, I can talk endlessly about Lin too. Lin was my first mono c- competitive EDH deck. Um, right. I don't think anyone plays Lin anymore. I think I was the only one, and I will forever be the only one. But
0: <laughs> there was a Lin Discord, wasn't there?
1: There is. I I run the Lin Discord. Every once in a while, right. people join. No one really talks them. <laughs> when new cards come out, we talk because it's always like, well, if they printed new changelings or rebels. The deck could get some, that's, you know, power.
0: That's fair, actually. I mean, we're yeah. planning to see... There's going to be changelings in this in Commander
1: Legends, right? I, I hope so. That would be nice. I mean, last time they printed changelings, we didn't really get anything. There's that one colorless uh, construct changeling, the, the artifact one. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the Mariner has blue in it. If they had made that a mono-white changeling... What's that the Mariner? It's like uh, creatures you control gain... Um, counter any spell or ability that targets it unless they pay one. That would have that been w- good. That would have been good, but no, they had to make that blue right. white instead of just white. Yeah. So those that's those are the two decks that I I like talking about most. I do play some other decks though. Like uh, I we talked on Twitter. I play Silas uh, Timna sometimes. I do like uh I do like looping baubles <laughs> and, yeah, and I, spell bombs.
0: <laughs> I uh, I played con when, we were, when I was playing a lot more conquest. I played a Silas and crom and it was like a dox when dockside was legal it was like a Doxide bulls the citadel deck with like reanimation and uh, all the baubles and it was a lot oh of that's fun. cool yeah because like the only good fast mana is like from and like mox opal and mox amber so i was like all right i can play a three mana partner commander that turns on mox amber and then it turns on mox opal so I was, yeah like, that's
1: true i was like yeah all i like right. I liked silas because you can use you can use spell bombs and stuff to crack doomsday piles so i was like originally going for doomsday i think the deck really the last version of it i was playing was just a consult deck because it was just like doomsday doesn't just beat straight consult it's just i don't know (laughs) sadly yeah
0: Yeah. i uh i've been actually looking into silas uh jessica jessica got leaked a few uh
1: yeah uh, i'm also into that as a deck yeah jessica is a is a pretty good card i think <laughs> yeah i uh, i did the
0: math today it's like you have to deal like 290 damage yeah sorry you need 290 mana to kill someone i just wanted to see if it was possible to like manually e- like eggs like just like yeah just like how much looping of egg stuff would i have to do in a non-deterministic way to like just kill the table it's
1: yeah it's like 300 mana but Maybe, maybe... uh... So so the interesting thing with that is, like, I think we we were talking on Twitter and we were talking about Silas um, being a good way to set up Scepter combos. And it's like, what is your outlet? And it could be Thrasios, and that gives you green. Or it could be Jessica, and now you have red. And I think that gives you... It gives you Breach. It gives you... If you're already trying to play things from your graveyard, having the backup of being able to play Breach is really nice. Being able to play Dockside gamble
0: i had not considered
1: the entomb i
0: know we talked about it but i had not considered yeah. the entomb isochron scepter lines that's very yeah. interesting that's probably a deck there's no way that's not a deck because grixis like if we're being honest with ourselves i mean Kess is pretty cool but there's not a broken jet like grixis general i don't think no. there's a single general i point to and i'm just like that's absurd how do we yeah how did this happen like Thrasios and timna timna crom uh yeah Najeela, like there's nothing quite there I could see Jessica Silas as, like, a three-mana, like, graveyard uh, Isochron Scepter deck being, like, actually pretty sick.
1: And and we were talking about mid-range console decks. I mean, Jessica is replayable removal, right? So you actually have a kind of mid-range game where you can take hate Bears off the board multiple times. You can, like, play it slow and not worry about the stacks deck just filling up the board, so I think it could be kind of interesting. It,
0: it's a—it's the amount of times you've played a commander. So even with Silas and Jessica, like your Jessica, on tr- a three-man Jessica is still like a shock. Yeah. Out of the command zone, and then also doesn't it like give double strike or triple strike
1: or something? Yeah, it does three times the damage. <laughs> so wait, uh, people were talking about doing um, a Boros like Bruce, Bruce Jess uh, Jessica thing, and just being like, here's One my sh- double striker. <laughs> that does 9 damage three times or something. Oh my god.
0: All right, we are way off topic here. We're here to talk about Heliod, and we're talking about Grixis good stuff. So All right, yeah. do you have any any heuristics or general guidelines for mulganing with Heliod? Anything you generally look for in a starting hand?
1: Yeah, so I think there's three Heliod hands that I say are like keepable. Um, so the first one is like you have hate for the table. And it's the perfect hate, and maybe a way to protect that perfect hate. Um, it you obviously don't have the the density to always have hate for every person in your pod, but sometimes you get a nice hand where like I can cover everyone, and because of that, people might help protect my stuff because no one wants the other person to remove the hate that's selectively for them, right? Yeah. So. It's like, I remember during, like, when Flash
0: Hulk was seeing a lot of play, like, you'd protect a Graft Digger's cage, even if you were on Flash Hulk, because you're like, I have console lined up, and if they're getting rid of, if they're getting rid of this Graft Digger's cage, that means they have it. Exactly, exactly. So, I'm gonna protect the Graft Digger's cage, so that I can then go for it with, like, console next turn, or something like that, so, yeah, Yeah. it makes a lot of sense to me. I
1: like to play into that dynamic when I can, and it's really nice when you have, say, a mom effect, so that you can predict protect some of the hate bears um so that hand i'll keep even though there's no direct line to comboing after that though you should only ever keep hands i think that have a direct line to comboing and and so you can have a hand that has you know good generic hate and say a tutor and that's a that's a good hand to keep so it's like thorn thalia and recruiter of the guard i will keep that hand um, or even even just like graveyard hate since breach is so popular graveyard hate and say a rule of law and one of the tutors I'll keep that hand and then you can keep all in this is a fast ballista combo hand and like that's the hand I kept in the grand finals um, at Oktoberfest where it was just workshop remote farm walking ballista and that meant I'd have a turn three ballista combo and that was unprotected i was just gonna go all in with no protection um because because sometimes you can just race the table i mean you don't want to take that bet against turbo nas decks usually but at the table that was goto kinon and then this kalia this crazy kalia deck that's like trying to throw down Villas and and cast adnaz i was like there's a chance for me to be able to do this on turn three, especially because I was before Goto and turn order. And I think that's a reasonable hand to keep mattering on what pot it is. Um, you can get punished. I, I feel like I kind of got punished for doing this. I did have removal because I had a, a Skyclave operation, and I had a Rule of Law. So these things kind of helped me out. But you can't get punished at, like when someone drops a Curse Totem and now you really can't execute that smooth game plan because one of the good things about a fast hand is that you're going to be mana efficient and you're going to just go you know turn one play my ramp turn two play my heliod turn three play my ballista the minute you disrupt that flow uh, and you're no longer playing mana efficient and now you've got to like scramble for hate it's kind of a bad look (laughs) and and, and i remember i i was very mad because i think i used a remote farm depletion counter in order to and still had mana left at the end of the turn so you just feel bad it's like i can't believe i had to waste one of my depletion lands yeah um but those are the three hands that i I like to keep after that it's like very situational um there are hands where you're just like i want to see what this could do i don't think it's that bad especially when you're down to six or five um you start to keep weird hands but if I don't have one of those hands as my first seven, one of those three types of hands, I usually will go for the next seven, um, unless it's really enticing. Like there are some cool things you can do with like Land Tax, Bizarre Baghdad, and I've certainly kept a hand going second with Land Tax, Bizarre Baghdad, being like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to draw a bunch of cards. Let's let's do that. That's uh, interesting. That's one of my favorite combos. I oh, I guess that's in like the, a
0: vintage. That's like a vintage combo. That's like some 1995 yeah. magic right there.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it, it's like way better. In my, in my opinion, it just feels so much better than tax rack. Like, land tax scroll rack is fun, but it's so much mana. You're putting two on the scroll rack, one a turn. Bizarre. It's just like... <laughs> You're just like, uh, this land, I'm just going to draw.
0: <laughs> just trust yeah, some yeah.
1: cards. That, that is one of my, my favorite interactions in the deck because it just feels so weird when you do it. There are, like, fast locks, like Uba Mask locks or or Knowledge Pool locks. You can keep those, too. They're just a lot more fragile to just keep a hand on the back of I can get, like, a fast Uba Mask lock. Um, and those
0: are locks where you have, like, an Uba Mask and a Knowledge Pool in play, but you have, like, a Draineth in play?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with Knowledge Pool, it can be any of the rule of law effects. Um, and then they, people can only cast their Commanders and hopefully if you have any hate bears on board Heliod plus hate oh, bears yeah. you to like, kill people
0: yeah and you're going to gain life so there's like almost no way that you lose except for commander damage but even then you can just yeah. like make your blockers huge or put so much pressure on them that you can kind of race them
1: yeah the the one problem is usually Kenrith cuz Kenrith can also grow oh and trample And can gain trample yes um so that is that's a that's a bad one for me which i i set up a knowledge pool at the tournament this weekend against a kenrith player i did do it because really i was trying to buy time to assemble ballista so like the the lock was a distraction i knew someone had a blast zone so the block was going to get blown up um oh that's yeah, really I interesting was just, i was just hoping to get enough time to get to the combo which is how it played out i did you win it that really game? just i did win that game yeah and that that's was sick i set that up on purpose but Usually with Knowledge Pool, Rule of Law, you win. I mean, not that many people are on Blast Zone. It's only low-color decks that are going to be on Blast Zone. Um, and Kenrith is falling out of favor. There's, like, these Kenrith Breach decks cause you, and the Kenrith Dockside decks. But for some reason, it's not as popular. Probably because think... it costs 5 mana. Yeah, <laughs> and... 5
0: mana. I will say one thing. That kind of I think the knowledge, that Knowledge Pool lock situation really, I think, displays an aspect of the deck that is important to mention. You, like... You're playing 4D chess right there, right? Like, you're locking the table in a way that you knew was not actually a true lock, which many people want to yeah. say, like, oh, he, he missed it. He didn't see that there was a whatever in play. It's like, no, you actually did see it. You were just using that lock to prevent people from being able to, like, move forward in the game so you could set up a combo on a on a following turn.
1: Yes. There's and a I was, lot of that. In that game, one thing I did, so I was, like, literally explaining the combos. I was like, this is how this lock works. And this is how you can break this lock, and it, one of it's because I don't like playing games where like people make mistakes because they don't exactly understand what's going on. That doesn't feel fun to me. And two, because I wanted them to know that they should try to break the lock. I didn't want to yeah. get killed by Kenrith. I wanted that's, to get them to break that the lock. Is
0: some that's some tight play right there. That is some tight play. Telling your opponents what to do in a way that they do they might not realize you're telling them what to do is yeah. is so tight. Like yeah,
1: it's well my. my my favorite part about that is that the lock I had was with Archon of Emilia. And I had a Mask of Memory attached to it. So I was actually digging two cards a turn. So I knew I just wanted them to waste oh. like five turn cycles. Let me set up my hand. When they broke it, my hand was Orm's Chant, Silence, Grand Abolisher, um, I think a, a Mana Vault, and Walking Ballista. So I literally just Orms Chanted one person, Silenced the next person, and then just went for it what a her and went for it um so like that's the kind of thing you need to do sometimes is just get to the point where you can set up a good hand know they're going to break it and try to time it right um, that's sick <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome all right i think we've spent we've spent a good 15 minutes leading up to the the keeps. so why don't we get yeah. started uh, we're just gonna uh do a few hands then afterwards we we can spend some time talking All right, so our first hand here is Mask of Memory, Remote Farm, Pithy Needle, Arid Mesa, Benevolent Bodyguard, Scrapyard Recombiner, and Ranger of Eos. Um, A card here that. There's two cards here that people might not be familiar with Uh, Benevolent Bodyguard. Uh, It's a. Do you mind uh, reading what that
1: does? Yeah, so it's a one mana, one one that you can sac to give another creature protection from your Choice until underturn.
0: The reason then, uh, we play
1: then... this, oh, go ahead. Okay. The reason why we play this is because it's a mom effect that doesn't need to, a turn to be active, so you can play it out, and then at any time you can use it. Um, these are basically our forms of counter spells. We're not gonna counter removal spells, but we can blank them with things like bodyguard. And the the really nice thing about them is they're very hard to have a counter war against. Like once they're on board, we have basically response to to removal that is uncounterable by most cards that we're playing
0: it gets under the rule of law and the uh yeah deafening
1: silence as well yep exactly so so it's really nice to be able to say well you only when i have my rule on play you get one removal spell on the ballista but i'm gonna be able to use my my mother of runes effect or my bodyguard effect um, so that's a that's a really good card. We're actually talking about switching this one out for a more obscure card. There's a one mana one one that you can sack to regenerate a creature. Um, that's good because most of the removal people are using right now is actually like Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy, Fire Covenant, and it has a second ability: um, two white tap sac it to counter a spell targeting an enchantment you control, Whoa. which is. Yeah, so then it protects Heliod, but it also protects Rule of Law, which is kind of nice. Wow, that's um, really cool. And Yeah, so, so that's some old card, something Mater, I can't remember the full name. Uh, I, I have one sitting around for if I ever wanted to try it, so we might sub these cards out. But it's really nice that you can use them right away. And the other um,
0: one is Scrapyard Recombiner, which we don't have to go into as much detail for, but it's just basically another tutor for um, Walking Ballista, which is like the one-card combo in this deck. Yes,
1: the secret really good thing about this card is so you tap and sack an artifact to search for a construct. Walking Ballista is a construct, and so is Triskelion. So it actually can get both. And you don't have to sack itself. So you can go, you know, end of turn, sack some oh. mana, say a mana vault that's tapped, get your Walking Ballista. On your turn, you can now get the Triskelion as backup. And it has modular. So you can cast your Ballista for X equals 1, and then sack the Scrapyard recombiner to put counters on Ballista. What? Uh, yeah. So this is a that's a nice line. That's I, I, insane. <laughs> it's really nice. And the other cool thing about Scrapyard that I really, really like. So Ranger Captain of Eos, which is next to it, searches for two CMC1 or less, puts them in the hand. If you have a rule of all out and you cast something like Ranger of Eos or Ranger Captain of Eos, and someone has a wheel... They, I, I get wheeled all the time with walking blist in my hand. With with scrapyard recombiner, you wait. You know, you drop it for three, and then you don't. It's like a wish claw talisman. You don't use it until you need to use it because there's no reason to expose the card to a wheel. Um, so I really like that. I think I had one on board for like six or seven turns in one match, just waiting for the time where I could use it where I knew it was safe. And I that is a that's really really uh, nice. I, I do like that.
0: So is this, a, is this a keepable hand, in your opinion?
1: It's close, but it's not. The reason why... So Remote Farm is a dangerous card. If it's if you only have a two-land hand and one is Remote Farm, you have to be like, what can I do in the first three turns to really make sure I have time to get more mana? In this case, you if you use it on the first turn, the second turn you're probably going to cast Recombiner. So you've committed no hate to the board at all and you now need to use the farm to cast heliot the next turn before you can go off so this is a this is a little bit of a sketchy keep if say the mask of memory was another land or grim monolith i would say this is maybe keepable you also have a kind of awful redundancy of ranger and scrapyard one of them is going to be useless unless you know they someone counters it people don't often counter these, especially because a lot of people are playing counter spells that are negate effects right now. So you don't really need to
0: cast something. Yeah.
1: Very specific. And, and the other problem is you can't really imagine a good ordering of events where you're going to get the bodyguard down. You could say Aaron Mesa for planes. Turn one play bodyguard next turn, play pitting needle third turn. Hope you have another land. Um, and then maybe cast Heliod or one of the tutors, but it's a it's a little sketchy. And pithing needle is not the best of your hate pieces. <laughs> it's a uh, it's really kind of narrow. It's nice for you know it was really good in scepter times, but it's it's pretty good when you know there's like certain elix you need to use it on. Like it's good uh, against like Kinnan, right? Like Kinnan, it's good against Urza. It's good against you know Thracios decks, um, but it's not generically good enough to be the only hate piece and now you have this mask of memory which is my the best draw engine the deck really has but you have pretty much no time where you're going to try to use it so if this was your second seven i would say you might keep this if it was a six you would definitely keep it and probably get rid of ranger of eos um this is actually
0: like probably on the better side of sixes right
1: yeah for sixes this is definitely a hand you would keep, and this would actually be a keepable five where you just ditch Ranger and Mask. Um, but you would never would want to keep this as your first seven, and it would be highly suspect as your as your second seven. I think. All right. So uh, let's
0: let's uh, take a look at another one. All right. So this time we have draineth Magistrate, Snow Covered Plains, Land Tax, Sarah Sanctum, Nyctos, Shrine to Nyx, Prismatic Vista, and Skyclave Apparition. Now. Skyclave Apparition is also a newer card. Uh, yes. I will read that one real quick. Uh, so it's one white white for a core spirit creature. When it enters the battlefield, exile up to one target, non-land, non-token permanent you don't control with the mana cost four or less. When it leaves the battlefield, the exiled, the exiled card's owner creates an XX blue illusion token where X is the converted mana cost of the creature. Um do you mind real quick explaining why you're on Skyclave Apparition? I've never seen that before.
1: Yeah, so this is three mana, basically, unconditional removal. I mean, in our format, there's not a lot of times where I'm trying to target something CMC greater than four. Um, yeah, it's sorcery speed, but we've kind of exhausted in white the instant speed uh, unconditional removal. It's a creature, which means, um, like we talked about with counter spells, it gets around a lot of the counter magic people are playing unlike a traditional O-ring effect when it leaves the permanent doesn't come back they get that creature token oh instead. so I know. that's really yeah. nice yeah they that's only really get cool. the creature token um it doesn't get the cost doesn't go up with a thorn or a thalia in play we have some creature recursion so that means if it gets killed we can use it again which is kind of nice it's tutor rule by recruiter of the guard so for these reasons it's it's nice to include and Importantly, we need to be able to remove Null Rod, Curse Totem and Collector Oof. The fact that this can hit all three of those is is really really good. That's
0: actually I, now I for some reason I just assumed after even reading it that uh, you got the permanent back. So reading that now, it's just a three mana removal spell for yeah, any exactly. Permanent. That's actually kind of insane on a body, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I and that's why I really liked it. It made me wonder if we should start playing things like. Eldrazi Displacer, because this is like, would be a great thing to loop with Eldrazi Displacer, to be honest. And the creatures, they matter a little bit because when we go into an aggro mode, we really benefit from having more creatures. You can, and bigger you can creatures.
0: always just Eldrazi Displace the tokens, it's fine. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, so that's... Fine. I, think it, I think it's fine. So this is a thing where I've actually considered Eldrazi Displacer. If it was a little bit cheaper, like, if it was 3 mana to play and 2 mana to activate, I would be...
0: Yeah, are you on... Uh, the two-minute flash creature that says if a creature would enter without being cast, you exile it instead?
1: We were, and we all collectively on the sur- on the Discord server were kind of like, we should cut this because it wasn't getting much use. Um, if I went back to Displacer, I'd probably put that... Well, yeah. there's, there's this thing, right? It's a good combo with Displacer because you permanently exile people's creatures. It also means you can't value Displacer anymore. Oh, that's true, yeah. So, there's a little tension there with... When I saw the Kalia deck, I was like, oh, "I wish I hadn't cut uh, the the priest, the the, the two mana flash guy." But I still, am, I'm kind of okay with it. I think that it, it's probably okay to not be playing that right now, but it is a nice thing with Displacer. Yeah, Apparition is what lost me the the Grand Finals, and well, really, we were actually discussing this earlier today on the Discord for the tournament. It didn't lose me the finals. It changed who I lost to. Um, so we were in a situation where Godo was going to win because they had enough mana because they had played a KCI. Um, so I had to remove the KCI because everyone else decided to tap it. The Kindhan player was still locked out. They can make infinite colorist mana and they couldn't do anything with it. What they were able to do is get two blind Kinan activations. And they got... A clone effect and cloned my skyclave to remove first the oh no first they played phyrexian metamorph clone skyclave removed a curse totem then they activated Kinnan, got another clone clone skyclave again removed my rule of law and that enabled them to go off um they so, must
0: have been on the uh last week's greedy keeps uh <laughs> list where we it's uh Keenan's house of mirrors which is the uh, yes the clone dense list—that's sick.
1: Yeah, so you know, Skyclave did stop me from losing Nikodo. They got a the Ken player got a really lucky series of, of draws and Ken activations that let them use my Skyclave against me. But I, I still think it's a, a really a really good card. Now this hand I would a hundred percent keep. So there's there's two reasons. Um, almost always a turn one land tax is good. If you're going first with this hand, obviously the land tax is less interesting. But what it's nice is that it's paired with Sarah Sanctum, which means that you actually have it as a pseudo ramp spell. We play Sarah Sanctum because Heliod's an enchantment and often Sanctum adds two or more. And in this case, it's probably going to as of turn after turn three, add two or more. Um, what you'd want to do with this hand is probably, probably go snow cover planes, land tax or Vista for planes, land tax. Um, and then next turn play magistrate. And Magistrate is just such a good card. If you have a turn two magistrate, you should do it. There are a I lot mean, of decks that cannot beat that. Um, yes, at least
0: for a while.
1: I think you can steal a lot of, a lot of pods by just dropping a turn two magistrate or turn. I think magistrate. a
0: turn two magistrate followed up by like blowing up a Rhystic study or something like. It's very o- yeah. often people just keep like a permanent based value engine that just kind of like. Does quite a lot, and I can totally imagine a scenario where you like turn one land tax, turn two drain, and turn three Skyclave Apparition. Whatever value card is in play, next turn you uh, play play uh, Heliod, gives Apparition lifelink and get in and start beating people up.
1: Exactly. So I think that with this hand, that's what. Even though you don't have a route to the combo, you have land tax that's going to pull out nine lands from your de- or eight lands from your deck, rather in this case. Um, cause you have one of them in your hand, but You're going to be able to ramp a little bit once you get the Heliod down on turn three. You're going to be able to pump Magistrate and Apparition. So I think this is a, a very keepable hand. Now, it's basically not one of those hands I described earlier. So, you know, you only have one real hate piece, and then you have, like, removal and hate have to be thought of slightly different. Often the removal is to stop the hate against you, or to be like really have to stop one of these value engines. But Magistrate is just such a powerful card that it's hard to have a functional hand with Magistrate in it and not keep it. I, I would this is a this is certainly a, a hand I would keep. Yeah, Especially I mean... if you look at the number of pips you have. I mean this is probably at with with Sanctum and Nykthos, by turn four you're gonna have like seven or eight mana. And so that means that you might even be able to go off with Triskelion. Which is always nice to have the mana to be able to combo with your scallion. Um It just this is a, a fairly solid hand. Yeah, like now, if like
0: you, an enlightened tutor. If you hit like an enlightened tutor, let's say, yeah, or ballista, it's it like enlightened tutor, ballista, any of your creature tutors. Yeah, you have so many live alive.
1: draws. Yeah, and so and I think you have enough live draws that this is this is okay. Plus, if you draw, like we were talking about before, if you draw bizarre Baghdad with that land tax. There you go. Even Mask of Memory with that land tax. Now you're just getting so much uh, card advantage and people are going to be slowed down by Magistrate. If we were in a pot against something like Kinnon, this is golden because you just jam the Magistrate and now the deck really doesn't function that well. Um, So definitely keepable.
0: All right, let's look at another one. Snow-Covered Plains, Path to Exile, Snow-Covered Plains, Weathered Wayfarer, Snow-Covered Plains, Rest in Peace,
1: Snow-Covered Plains. This seems not as good, right? This is not as good. So, I think rest in peace is not that great of hate right now. I mean, it's good against breach, but they'll just remove it before they do their breach stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure, they'll lose a little bit to feed the breach. Yeah.
0: They lose like a value breach, but you know, most of these breach decks are not value breaching. They're playing brain freeze and then breaching, yeah. and so you know,
1: yeah, it's the they're their then they're gonna go. Um, having four lands in hand with a Wayfarer doesn't feel good because you really want to use the Wayfarer to get the lands. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you had to mull down to four, I would keep Plains, Path, Wayfarer, Rest. That All is right. a fine hand. But otherwise, yeah, this is a fairly sketchy hand.
0: All right, we can throw this one back. Look at a second seven. Aether-sworn canonist, windswept heath, enlightened tutor, blind obedience for mostful cleric, bizarre Baghdad, and Saint prelate. All right, be honest with me here. Are we
1: tutoring up land tax? Be I don't think I've me. ever e-tutored for land tax. If I kept this hand, which I think is also a little bit sketchy, I would probably e-tutor for a mana crypt so that turn two, I can play canonist or obedience. Um, and then that, you I mean, you have a lot of two CMC hate here, which means you can kind of live off of only having two or three mana for a while. And still be making impactful moves. Yeah. And yeah. then you have the Bazaar, so you still will hit a set a turn two land drop. And you can maybe, if you don't start drawing more white sources, you know, ditch the prelate and the remorseful cleric to draw into some stuff. So this isn't that bad of a hand because it just has so many good hate pieces in it, and it has the tutor for the, the mana crypt. It would be great if your draw for turn was another land so you didn't have to play e-tutor for the the mana crypt um but i would say this is a little bit greedy of a keep but i would definitely keep a hand like this
0: all right uh, i mean it, it is literally greedy keeps so yeah you got I'd yeah. disappointed i'd be a little disappointed if we didn't yeah. at least have one all right yeah one more graft cage snow covered plains linvala keeper of silence knowledge pool even mind sensor order of the Sacred torch and snow card planes, and yes, you're reading that right. Order the sacred torch says tap, pay one life counter target black spell. I don't know what they were thinking, but it's it's oh, a sick magic
1: card. It's so good, <laughs> and, and you know this is one of those cards that creates feel bads because people just like don't know what it is. It comes into play, and it's like people don't even register it. I saw someone cast like go oracle packed into this once at the tournament uh, outside of Philly, a Nigila player. Cast the Oracle, responded to the trigger with a Pact, and I countered it with the ability. And they were just like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "I read the card when I to everyone when I cast it, but it's just like it's such a weird card, and people misplay into it." But like, like let's be honest, Adnaz is everywhere. You need to be able to stop an Adnaz. This card says have like three mana
0: stops someone's Adnaz, and I think even yeah. like better than that, like, you know sometimes, like, the threat of a counter is, like, way more impactful than having the counter, you know? Yes. And in this case, you get to have the threat of the counter without ever having to use it. Yes. You know, who's going to cast a Demonic Tutor into this? Probably no someone one. who probably someone who already has Adnaz in hand, if we're being yeah, honest. Yeah, 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 That's exactly. about it. If someone, if someone, I imagine this is a situation you've been in before, someone casts a Black Spell into it, and you're just like, they're either punting or I'm being
1: baited. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what I, I'm supposed I, to do here. At one point, because this card really ruins Gitrog Monster's Day, um, because also basically most of the removal for it is black. So I had someone, um, I, I don't think they DT'd, I think maybe they Imperial Sealed, and I countered it, and then they Assassin Trophied it. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with you like wasting all of these cards. <laughs> because you need yeah. to get Rog, it's it's okay. Those are the two best though. So. Exactly, and I wasn't going to let you Imperial Seal. Like, I wasn't going to let you do it, so... So, yeah, right. it's a it's a sneaky card. The, this hand highlights something that can be a little bit awkward about this deck. It has a pretty good curve, but sometimes you get a hand like this, where you have a one-mana play, no two-mana plays only two mana in hand, and then a three, a three, a four, and a six. Um, the stats on this are... There's a good chance that you'll have three mana on turn three. You're going to see two more draws, or three more draws before that, and you got like a third mana sources, and your hand is light on mana, so there's a good chance you'll have a third source. If Grafter's Cage is really good at the pod... Then you might want to risk it, especially if you also think that Order Sacred Torch is going to be good. But you have a knowledge pool with no way to make a lock, and that Linvala is really far away.
0: So I think would, like it, three of these cards in this hand have no text, right? Like, yeah. I don't see Linvala, Knowledge Pool, or Even Mind Sensor really doing anything for the foreseeable future. This is a hand defined by like a graph Grafter's Cage and the promise of a potential order of the Sacred torch is that is yeah. that a fair I, I think
1: so i think so i mean mind sensor is good for just blowing people out because just there's you know oh, everyone's yeah. on fetches everyone's on tutors but it's not a specific hate card that shuts a deck down now you do win games sometimes if you have like a turn one mind sensor you can just win a match because like no one can fetch yeah that's
0: that's, that's like amazing
1: <laughs> 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 oh, it's just stressful even thinking about it. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the the death and taxes thing, right? Where there are some games where you just win automatically because, like, you jam a my, They're not driving usually mind sensors. They're usually talking about, like, uh, the Cat Jesus. Uh, and and remember. I... Yeah, I play Leon Arbiter, too, because, like, a turn Leon Arbiter is often game over for a lot of decks that are four colors. And it just uh, becomes... Especially if you're... Really, just trying to tutor for combos, and you don't have a value engine, you just are playing like lots of tutors. It's great. Um, in this case, yeah. because you can't play Mind Sensor earlier, it's not as attractive. Linvala, you know, if you see your opponents on Urza or Kinnan, or like maybe it's a Bro Storm deck going on somewhere, you might want the Linvala in your opening hand. I'm a little soft on Linvala right now because I just feel like and, and we talked a little bit about how Tymna Thrasios is not as common anymore just decks playing a lot of dorks not as common anymore I think in general
0: uh, yeah, I...
1: Thrasios is not as common Linvala is doing less and less and at 4 mana you want cards to be doing a lot more so I've actually considered cutting Linvala recently I mean there are some times where you really really want a Linvala and it shuts down some decks but, I feel
0: like this is, like, one of the things where, like, uh, your tournament list might be different than, like, your I-play-every-week list. Like, yeah. I could see Linvala being really useful in a tournament where people generally are playing, like, pet decks. And I think a lot of the really good pet decks in this format are, like, Thrasios, lists, Kinnon, uh Decks that people, like, when I say pet decks, I just mean, like, decks that people feel really passionately about and play quite a bit. Heliod. Yeah. Uh, Heliod's another example of that. Yeah. Heliod does lose to Linvala. Yep. So... I feel like Linvala is really good into like a tournament meta where I... Like the meta I play in, I don't think
1: Linvala does anything. But... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of metas where Linvala probably doesn't do anything. So that's why... I mean, you might want to keep this hand if you know you absolutely need the Linvala. But I would I would say not having a turn to play in this format feels really bad right now. When you have like Turbina's decks not doing anything other than playing a Grafter's Cage... Yeah, I feel like
0: Grafters Cage is not going to stop Turbinaw's.
1: It's not. I mean, Grafters Cage used to just be worth so much more in the Flash meta. Like, a turn one Grafters Cage would almost always be a keep when Flash was a deck. Now, there's not enough people trying to reanimate Villas, you know? Like, (laughs) that's, like, the the other time you'd want to use it. So, yeah, this is a a sketchy keep. I probably wouldn't keep it. Uh, If it's the second seven, I would consider it, but I'd probably go to six. All right, let's go to six.
0: Snow-covered plains, homeward path, Sajiri's shelter. Notice I can spell, I can pronounce that because I played, uh, I played it in Legacy for a time. The Sejiri step, yeah. Sejiri so shelter, shelter, mana vault, knowledge pool, rule of law, Miria's call. So uh, this, is 100% this is a hundred percent key. Yeah, this hand's actually kind of insane, right?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, this is a very good hand. You're going to be able to ramp out the knowledge pool, rule of law lock. You have all the mana you need. Um, you might not actually need to use the shelter for mana, which is the great thing, um, and that means you have a spell to cast into the knowledge pool if the rule law gets broken, so that you can steal something else at instant speed. Like that's one of the really nice things about knowledge pool. Your instants become your opponent's counter spells that have been exiled on the knowledge oh, pool, wow, and stuff like really that. Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So I, I actually am really into the Sejiri Sh- 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 Shelter. I mean, we need stack interaction. But usually it's to protect our hate pieces this is a two mana protect your hate piece spell that also doubles as a land when you need it um i, I think it's actually just a really good card yeah and having the mana vault just makes this this hand so so good um yeah let's see so let's have you, have to you out it.
0: that knowledge pool
1: yeah and you know even so if this is your six you might put down put back the snow covered plains the other great thing homeward path is really good with knowledge pool Uh, If people start casting your hate bears, you just take them back.
0: wow! Yeah, yeah. Now, would you
1: hold up the homeward path for a bit? Yeah, sometimes I would. Um, I mean, if I go for the lock right away, because this is a hand where you might go for the lock right away, mattering what other people's commanders are, you don't really have other creatures, right? This hand doesn't have any creatures in it, so you might not want to lock out. Right away, you might want to go for the rule of law, get the mana ready for the pool and try to put some things on board first. Um, or there is, this could be a hint where you say, based on the decks you're playing, I'm going to turbo out the knowledge pool and hold the rule of law, cast the rule of law to put it under the pool to steal some stuff and just wait until I, cause like no one else wants to cast your rule of law off the pool. That's well, a great it. point. That's yeah. a really good
0: point. And, and, and you're on more enchantments anyway. Like, it's it's very... yes, Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. interesting.
1: So one of the things about Knowledge Pool is, in this deck is that you have a lot of symmetric stacks pieces that you want in play. So people casting your spells off the pool is good for you.
0: I feel yeah, like I one thing is is that your cards are so bad. Like, your <laughs> cards are so incredibly bad that, like, if you think of Knowledge Pool is like, a card that just takes the average card quality and, and equally disperses it across yep. the
1: table... You're like Demonic Tutor? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm now trading my bad cards for their good cards, and if they cast my bad cards, my deck is built for those cards to be in play. Theirs is not. So like no one gains value from casting my hate pieces, but that's what they're stuck with. Um, so I I really yeah, I really like this hand. I, I would love this hand. Now this hand is sick. One of the better, one of the things I've always dreamt of is flipping an Amir's Call on a Knowledge Pool and then like playing Lotus Petal to get my Amir's Call. Because so many times when a Knowledge Pool comes out, it just takes so long for people to do anything that you can just beat them down. I've been worried about flipping Amir's Call and letting someone else cast it. That is a thing that I probably don't want to happen. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a sweet hand. And I think it kind of highlights the strength of these, the modal double-faced lands.
0: Oh, they're so good.
1: They're so good. I am, you know, doing the controversial thing still on the the Heliods server Is I'm playing the Kiberia takedown one. So that's one color, one one white, instant. It's one color, one white, instant. Um, Takedown deals damage equal the number of creatures you control to target creature or planeswalker. Now... Wait, that's that's just really good. Well, it's good good because, you know, it's extra removal that is also a land. I often have creatures in play, so it's going to deal damage. Um...
0: And it just can seems actually,
1: good. It seems good. It's just, Two mana for that effect feels like a lot. Like, you would like that to be a one mana effect. You're in white. <laughs> you're in white, exactly. <laughs> so, like, and, I keep, the way I think of these is
0: like, is like, you know like when you like have a rampant growth in your hand in casual yeah. and you don't have a land drop and you're like, shit, I just have to cast this rampant growth and that's my land for turn. So I'm paying two yeah. mana for a demonic tutor that puts the land into play tapped. Like, yeah. that's how this card is it right now. That's how I kind of evaluate these, is it's like, I, I get to turn this really shitty card, this card that's like usually shitty, into like a land at no cost, instead of paying that like two mana. That's kind yeah. of how I think of them. Uh,
1: uh, another it, way to think about it is that it's basically like you have to pay one when you choose the mode. So like the land enters tap, so you're effectively paying one, right? Yeah, you're right. So Jerry's yeah. Shelter is two mana, and that affects usually at one, so you're paying one extra, but you have two modes that you get to choose from and like paying one extra for more modes is pretty normal. Like look at cryptic command. You're basically paying two extra to get to choose here. You're getting one extra to get to choose. And I think getting to choose for it to be a land is like a kind of a big deal. It's a bigger deal than than some people think.
0: Actually, this is something I kind of want to talk to you about in the after. So I guess we can kind of just move into that. I'm just going to put the hand away. I, because I, I noticed you're playing a few of the M- MDFCs. I, I've i been playing uh, Agadim's Awakening in Corval. Oh, yeah. And that Super card cool. is disgusting. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the, uh, I mean, we've already kind of addressed this, but I just want I'd appreciate if you restated. What do you think of the MDFCs in CDH,
1: like in general, in Mono White? What do you think? So I I think they're good for Mono White. I mean, out a deck where, you can't afford to have your lands come to play tapped sometimes. If you put down hate pieces and now you're just trying to get to your win con, who cares that when your lands tapped? Um, So I think we can really utilize them. And the other thing is that our deck needs to have high, not threat density, but action density. So being able to put more effects into the land spot really helps us be able to do that. How many just like cards that are exclusively lands are you playing right now? Let's see. I think right now that are exclusively lands, it's 30 or 29 uh not counting the modal double face ones. But then there's bizarre Baghdad. So oh, bizarre yeah. Baghdad's so it's not really a land. Yeah, yeah bizarre exactly.
0: Baghdad's like the a reverse modal DFC. It's it's like yeah. you're uh you're getting an absolutely busted card but when you play it as a land drop you don't
1: get a land. So Yeah. So we're really, I've really tried to figure out what's the minimum number of lands we can play um, because we don't want to be drawing lands when we need to draw action. And I think that this has really helped. These cards really help that because there are effects we want. We want removal. Like, we need to be able to remove a collector roof. So, having more creature removal is not a bad thing. Yeah,
0: that's, that's why I think, like, I I feel like this deck in particular has a lot of turns where it can play a tapped land. Corvo exactly. also has that. Corvold, Corvold also has that a bit where like there's turns where like I have this land, I just need to play it, attack with Corvold, sack the land. I don't care that it enters tapped. Yes, this is exactly. How it is. But I also yes. feel like in Heliod, you have a lot of turns where you're like, all right, I just like I don't have a, a one drop, but I have like a two, I have Athalia, so like I'm just gonna play this Sagiri, whatever, have it untapped. Yeah. Next turn, play my Thalia, Next turn, play my Heliod, or
1: exactly Olympic, or some other effect. Absolutely, yeah, and that's at so many pods that's gonna be absolutely fine way to go so i I think they're really good and i mean the ones that enter untapped if you pay three life is like god they're they're all the monocolor decks i think should be paying them until like everyone's on archon of emiria and like back to basics like there's not a reason to not be playing non-basics right now i mean you do get punished if people are playing things like archon um if you're like in blue i could see being on back to basics but even then like
0: i've seen a lot of mono blue decks like at least like not play too hard into that like yeah like a primary part of their game plan and like
1: blood moon isn't really a problem for mono color decks because even if some of their lands now add basically colorless like it's not a big deal they only need one or two colored sources
0: yeah i was talking about this with ian even if you're a two color deck like ian's playing the red one because if there's a blood moon in play it's just a basic Mountain, which is what it is is already, and then if there isn't a blood moon play, it's just a basic mountain. His life tool doesn't matter at all. He's not on the Emiria one because it could conceivably matter that that is a mountain instead of a plains. Yeah, two color deck, but that red one like is a removal spell, and like sometimes you're going to pay. I think it's like four mana to kill a tutu or something. Yes, exactly. I'm gonna do that. That's i'm gonna replace a, a land with a removal deal. spell that's like yeah. crazy to me
1: <laughs> yeah I, yeah so. even four mana to kill two dorks is like a good deal right because it's divided among up to two creatures like oh that's yeah. actually not a bad spell to begin with there's even but, like i mean maybe they're not very popular but there's cards like
0: uh i, I mean you could even conceivably go like kill your Nigila, kill a token yeah um for, for five which is like doesn't sound great but if you're like a goto deck and the Neo Geula player players like the only person who's like get gotten under your stacks pieces. You Do know? it, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah I, mean, so I think it's think...
0: actually like a pretty good example. Like Nejula has a turn one Neojula crypt. You like drop down like a Blood Moon or a Transphere or something. Just get it out there and and kill him. So
1: yeah, I, so I, I I really like the red one. I like the black one. I think the white one is one of the worst ones. Um, I, think,
0: just... I think I think I think you're wrong, only because. I think it's so cheap. It's so cheap to play. Like yeah. there is no cost in the white decks that are out there. There's no like, cost, yes. In, in Grand Arbiter, right? Two seven mana for two 4/4s four with flying and vigilance that gives your stuff indestructible. That's an actual win condition.
1: Yeah. Land. yeah. Yes, in Grand like, Arbiter, especially cuz it's to cost less with Grand Arbiter in play. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's that's real. That's
0: Yeah, yeah. That's like actually significant that like oh my god, I've locked them out, I've gotten the stacks to be such a point that people just can't play Magic. I just need to end the game. Eight power on board is going to get there yeah, some, sometimes. And that three in, life is
1: not. That three life is not going no. to come up very often. Even in CDH, eight power is a lot. Like, oh it god, it, yeah. it still kills people quite quickly. And everyone's real greedy with their life totals. So, like, you... And, and even, you know, if a game goes long. Swinging at the Adnaz player for eight means their Adnaz is never going to be viable again. Like yeah, if it's like turn really seven, huge. turn eight. So I mean, it's it's not bad. It helps because we often aggro people out. It's just like I do. I wish there was a different effect. Probably, I do. Probably yeah. wish it was something else. Um, it's
0: still crazy <laughs> when you like put a Sarah Angel on a land. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. If, with, if for two more mana, you get two of them
1: because the rare one is like an eight mana destroy all non-land permanents. if that had been on the the untapped land i, I maybe i'd be happier i know there's there's actually not that many times where you're gonna blow up your own stacks pieces i was about to
0: say i feel like your deck the four power that with flying is, and vigilance is, is probably is, actually better than that yeah just because like you don't want to lose all the stacks pieces you've been building up the whole game
1: yeah if they, but even if they had made like this is jerry shelter the untapped one and it costs three to use i'd be like yeah Go for it, or if it was like four mana or five mana, all your creatures gain protection from something to underturn. I would play that, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm not super happy with what the white one was, but it's still good for the deck. It's still crazy um, how good they are, just like yeah, objectively, <laughs> they're so really I, I, good. It's a little bit of what I'm concerned about in general design, uh, with magic right now is like I think the modal lands are better than they thought they were going to be. And it's just, like, lowering variance is a rare... It's a scary thing to do in Magic. Like, we saw what happened with partners. Like, you you see what happens with uh, the companions. You don't want to lower variance in Magic too much. And the modal lands do reduce variance quite a bit. They let you kind of effectively play more lands, but still have action. So, I mean, it's good for, for Heliod, but I think... That now there's like they're at the point where they can make design mistakes like quite frequently with these yeah, kinds of I, things.
0: I I have one last uh, question for you as we turn this like creedy keeps into an hour long podcast. Um <laughs> what do you think so we saw Doc we saw Breach. Um, I think Breach we could have seen. Like I think if you if you'd asked me like what is the most busted thing that seems to be in Red's color pie today that you could see being printed, I'd think probably like a, a red Yagma will. Yeah. Uh, Breach is better than that. What is what is the thing that is in White's color pie today that you think like could conceivably be printed that would just like blow the color wide open? Do you have any anything you've been brewing on?
1: So this is I don't think anything's gonna blow it wide open. What White needs is some kind of card advantage engine that is cheap, and I think it, they need to attach it to the creature the creature count. Like, they've done a lot of stuff with, like, Kabir Takedown. Counts the number of creatures. There's a lot of things that activate when you attack with three or more creatures. Like, oh, one white enchantment that said, if you attack with three or more creatures, draw a card, is a very seemingly legit card. It's hard to set up. You're not going to draw off it for many turns. But, like, something, like, some effects like that would really help. I mean, they made Mangara, and it's not a good card. Right? They gave white. All the draw they're giving white has been bad. But if they could give it a good draw engine that's within the color – within the tutor portfolio as well. Because that's like one major problem with White as well is that the tutor space is really low. Oh, so like a battalion
0: card that says like – like, you know, there's that goblin that's yes. like battalion. So yeah. like a one-mana goblin with battalion well, – or not goblin. Well, maybe a goblin. soldier. Something like that. One-mana soldier. A soldier that way it can get tutored up. Uh, like yeah. a one mana soldier that's like battalion when it attacks, you draw a card if you attack. Yeah, more other creatures. Stuff, yeah.
1: Something like that would be really nice. I mean, I would love for us to get something. You know, it's just not. It's not broken enough. It's not like breach, right? There's not, and, and there's not a lot of white eff, white effects that seem like they're like breach. Um, maybe there are game change, rule changing effects, because like if you think of the effect that's on Brazella, the the meld angels, where it's like a uh, pl- players can't cast spells three cmc or less if there was a way to get that effect into play that was legitimately possible like you're never gonna meld yeah yeah i I, i've thought about it you know i've i've tried to figure out how to do it and i i really would love to be able to melt those two and because that effect wins you a cdh pod there i don't think there's any decks especially that that. play yeah there's no decks that can beat that but it's just so impossible to assemble that but if they put that effect on like a Six mana enchantment, or something, or like there was some condition to to gain an effect that is so good in competitive EDH that could really turn things around. Um,
0: I I could see something that cares about like the second spell you cast each turn. Well, Um,
1: even the problem with that is that like with white really benefits right now with the rule of all effects. So like anything that cares about casting multiple spells is tough to play in white right now. Um, and and that is a little bit filled with that. Like, damping sphere can't be played in Heliod, really, because it most of the time does nothing because you have a rule of law effect, and you can't play any of the ramp White has now. Like, you can't play your Workshop, you can't play your Ancient Tomb. Um, so that's why I'm a little skeptical of this idea of triggering on, on when people cast more spells, even though when I saw Mangara, I was like, oh, this is a great effect. Now that I play more games with the rule of law effects, it just seems. Oh yeah, like not. That good makes enough. a lot of
0: sense. Because like
1: your entire deck is about making sure Mangara can't draw cards. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, when you think about, you know, they print Breach. That seems like this big thing that makes red really attractive. Magistrate is a really good card, and it wins games. And I think because it doesn't have like the flashiness of Breach, people don't think it's as good. But like, if you can protect a Magistrate, you will win a game. So do because... you
0: what white needs, then, is, is just more cards like Magistrate that just, like, attack
1: the format in a very unique way? Yeah, um, and, and that's why like I like the... on bears? Yeah, on bears, I mean, if you could put them on enchantments, that would be wonderful. The problem is that it's just so hard to protect creatures. The format is really greedy, and, like, no one's playing removal right now, which is excellent for us. You know, everyone should keep playing Force of Negation and stop playing Assassin's Trophy and Abrupt Decay. <laughs> like, just... That's that's great, but yeah, I would love them on enchantments. More powerful ef- effects on enchantments or on creatures. I mean, one thing they've been really scared about is creatures that have built-in protection. If they yeah. built bears in with protection from certain colors, that would be really nice but i, I think don't they think they would do, do
0: that for green i think is the problem like yeah i can see like green yeah, card exactly. with that but i don't think i can see them doing a white card with yeah that. well
1: because it's like hex proof and is not in white's color pie really protection is but they hate giving protection yeah the, the hex proof from color was kind of like what they thought they would do instead but that's not really white at the moment um but even like the effects like you know when it it's kind of blue this one where it's like when it's targeted counter the speller ability unless they pay a cost that is something that you could see in white's color pie and might be worthwhile to put on hate bears just some built-in protection because they're they're relatively fragile but i think magistrate shows that when you have a hate piece that's efficient and attacks exactly how the format works it can be very very powerful Um, deafening silence is another one of those cases where it can just like mess up a match so much that you will definitely win. So, so do you think, like, do, do you think
0: that... Um, so if we look at, like, Dockside, right? We had, like, Dockside, Breach, and Deflecting Swap, right? And yeah. I think, like, we could look at that, and that's, like, that is a line. They're, they're, those cards are all directly connected to each other, right? Yes. Do you think in the next year we're, we're going to start seeing, like, a line between, like, deafening Silence, Strength Magistrate, and then some cards we just haven't seen yet where yeah, we well, start well, to well, I th-
1: see... I think, Gertie, you have, like, Deafening, silence, Magistrate, Archon of Emeria. Like, right. Archon of Emeria is a very powerful card, and, you know, it's a, it's not efficient enough to always be a card that wrecks a game, right? The The land, non-basic lands, entering tapped effect, if that was at one or two mana, would be really great in Mono White. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of decks that just can't beat that.
1: Yeah, like, Root Maze is an annoying card for every deck in the format. Yeah. And, yeah, and imagine if terrible. White had its own Root Maze. Uh, especially an opponent an opponent's only you know non-basic roommates would be would be really really good so i think Please, there is a snow <laughs> yeah i mean i i hope that they're designing a little bit more of this i know that they really don't like stacks and hate effects um, for standard because it, it doesn't feel good for new players and it's it doesn't make games exciting on arena um and possibly probably is bad at best of one in arena right hate pieces make best of one feel really bad. If you're only in one match and they like turn one, deafening silence you you're Yeah, and
0: match. I feel like one problem is that like red cards that are good in commander and red cards yeah. that are good in, um like white, it, sorry, red cards are good in commander, red cards are good in standard are totally different.
1: Yeah, like, like dark isn't good in standard. It would never be good. So like... Even Breach, Breach is not like, Breach isn't yeah. banned. And
0: Breach is banned in other, in like legacy, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, but with white, I feel like Arcan, like Archon, for example, right? That's a three mana two three flyer. That's like a double stacks piece. Yeah, that card could see standard play. That card exactly. is like actually realistically powerful,
1: right? Ma- Magistrate would have saw a ton of play if they hadn't erred a partner. Oh yeah, <laughs> or so commander, rather.
0: Yeah, that might be part of the reason that we're not seeing it as quickly as red is because like when they do print red cards into standard that are commander focused, they're either not good in standard or they're not good in in commander.
1: You know, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm a little worried because they messed up so bad with green blue. Like they, all the commander cards in in Simic, they're have disgusting. Been too good and and standard, and like ruining standard because you wanted some CDH players or EDH casual EDH players to have a four color commander is like not a good look. So I'm a little worried about how that affects the design of white. But I mean, I think they know that people are so mad about white that they're gonna take some design risks soon uh and i'm hoping they do i hope they take some weird design risks i want my two mana spell that makes people unable to cast three cmc or less spells that's what i want just you know give me some ridiculous card that breaks cdh that sheldon decides is is cool because it only breaks cdh that's what i need we need that card that will never get banned because casual commanders players will not care but it just fundamentally breaks the format, and I <laughs> fundamentally would... breaks the format. <laughs> yeah, my Lock, here
0: rooting for the end of CDH. Let's go. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: Heliod's the best deck, and you all can't play Magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no players can't cast non-creature spells. Let's go. <laughs> I, I want that oh right God. now on a one-man on a one dork. Yeah, just on some dork. Just yeah, because that gives itself basically protection from removal right away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah it had... You are asking for hate bears that protect themselves. You got it yes and that will that or keep giving us mom effects outside of life's bounty was like a really nice thing Get, bringing back the creatures oh, that yeah. protect creatures and non-creature permanents is is nice giver of runes was really good for the deck because it's reusable so but hapers that protect themselves would be just so much better just so much better all right so we just
0: uh we've just crossed over into the hour mark so i think it's probably appropriate for us to yes. uh, finish this one up I'm sure you have stuff to do and I'm sure that people are going to have a hard time listening to a full hour of Heliod and Mono White discussion. So,
1: yes. we're going it'll to probably to just, cut it off. It'll just be me listening over and over again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's too real. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was on Lab Maniacs once. I listened to it like twice because I was just so excited. I was like, oh, I was on Lab Maniacs. Ah. So, <laughs> I've done that before embarrassingly yeah. enough. All <laughs> yeah. right. So, Thank you for coming on do you have anything for... you want to shill any any anything you want to talk about real quick
1: um, just come to the heliod discord server um come to the lincevi discord server <laughs> <laughs> um i i uh... <laughs> i assume most of your listeners know that there there's these tournaments that have been going on but i i think that there are some people who have kind of missed that there's all these cockroaches tournaments going on and it's a really nice way to keep playing despite COVID. Um, and I know I was really pumped to go to more of your in-person tournaments. Um, uh, I didn't but, want to think about it. Yeah, but, but while we're kind of stopped, at, uh, these tournaments are really nice. You, Cockatrice is, is, once you learn it, it's a really easy way to play Magic. Um That's definitely And you true. get to play with a lot of people from all over the world that you wouldn't get to play with. So definitely check out like, the, the competitive EDH um, Discord for, for games through Cockatrice, CDH Games as well. Um, it or just get random pods. I play random pods sometimes. It's not always a great too, idea. Yeah. It's not always a great idea, but it's usually a great idea. I, so, if you, I guess, not random, but I,
0: I, I've always have fun just playing a game with like some patrons or, uh, you know, people who watch the show. I, think, I, I have a blast doing that. So, you should yeah. start playing with us. That's what you should do, Michael. That's what I, I.
1: Yeah, I mean, last time I played with you, it was three Paco decks and me, and that was. <laughs> That was not the the most fun. No, I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's unacceptable. I think I think (laughs) I think uh, Paco exiled my ballista, and then I just watched you guys beat each other up with Paco, as I was like left there to die. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Hey, this is why you need to put Karn back in your deck. I'm just saying. Apparently, yes, exactly.
0: Triple Pacos, just get them. All right. All right. Uh, thank you again. Thank you everyone who's still listening and watching to this. Yeah, you thank crazy, you for having crazy me. crazy, crazy folks. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And again, c- congratulations to you for top fouring uh the Oktoberfest uh, CDH tournament. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have gotten the impression from this video, but I'm a really big fan of Michael. I think Michael is probably one of the best CDH players we have in the entire community. So really listen to him. I, he's really knowledgeable. Please harass him on Discord. Don't let him sleep tonight. He's going <laughs> to wake up to the pings. Just... Flood them with text messages. Yes, ping just... me. My,
1: my, my Discord is is Michael V. Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E. Just ping me with stuff. I mean, I yeah. love talking about the deck. I can send you lists and stuff uh, and invite you to the Discord. So feel free to ping me. It's fine. All right. <laughs>
0: Thanks, everyone. Have Thank a nice you. one.
1: Bye.